You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Season 2, new intro, let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. And I'm your host, Greg E. Hill, the Culture Change Agent. On this show, we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation leaders. And as y'all already know, I have an amazing show today. I'm excited to introduce our special guest. You know, we have another proud graduate of North Carolina Anti-State University. And I know y'all listening like, yo, season one, he had like 10 Aggies. Season two, I don't know, I heard he heard two or three Aggies, but it's my show and I love Aggie pride. So that's what we gonna do. And He's a graduate with a degree in graphic communication systems. While an undergrad, he completed a co-op with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, which cemented a full-time position upon graduation as a visual information specialist. Soon after graduating, he helped start Artificial Intelligence, a D.C.-based clothing brand that started as an unofficial Black Greek-inspired brand to then an art and lifestyle influence brand. In 2013, he co-founded the District Running Collective, which fitness motivated group of individuals based out of Washington, D.C., who share a common interest in running. They use their passion for fitness to broaden their reach to like-minded and open-minded individuals who are dedicated to pushing themselves further than they have ever thought possible, all while positively impacting the community. I mean, they've been featured on MSNBC's The Grio, NBC Washington Nonstop, Active Lifestyle DC, and websites and blogs all over the country, especially on the East Coast, man. Um, if you are in DC, if you are not even of color, if you are in DC, you into running, you into a great lifestyle group that does amazing things, not only for the community, but for athletes, for fitness people, for activists. It's like a hodgepodge, a melting pot of influencers and game changers in DC then you already know who we got on the show so without further ado I would like to introduce the co-founder my brother my fraternal brother I ain't said fraternal brother in a million years but my fraternal brother my dog my boy Matthew Green co-founder of the District Running Collective to the Minority Trailblazer podcast welcome to the show What's up, Greg? <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> See, that's the that's that's the kind of intro you get when you know somebody. He knew me since like oh nine, so it's not like oh man, I'm excited. Like, What's up, bro? <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was a good intro. Appreciate that. <laughs> no problem, no problem, man. So you know it's season two, but I definitely want to always break down the show for any new listeners we may have. But every show we break it down and we start off with a quote, and our our guest gives us. A quote, but also how he lives by the quote. So, Mr. Green, Matthew, brother Green, can you please share the quote that you live by and the story about how you apply it to your everyday life? All right, cool. So, my quote uh, is actually uh, an abbreviated version of a of a bigger quote by Walt Disney. Um, the Walt Disney quote is: "We keep moving forward, opening new doors, and doing new things because we're curious, and curiosity keeps leading leading us down new paths." But I like to just say with that, always keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. And that's just something I always tell myself in, in every aspect. You know, it, it applies to the, when I'm running, it applies when I'm doing work, when I'm down, you know, down because of, you know, some misfortune that happened or, or, or whatever. Things at times are just tough. I always say to myself, always keep moving forward. I got you, man. So what is the last situation that you've been in where you had to really apply that quote? The last situation. How about I'll, I'll I'll apply this to to running. I I did a marathon back in uh last year in October, mm-hmm. and I pretty much said that 
that quote <laughs> all 26 points. <laughs> Every just keep just keep moving forward. <laughs> it'll be over soon. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Every single mile you was like that. Dude, I'm trying to tell you. When I when I hit the wall, mm-hmm. it was like, all right, I gotta keep moving. I ca- I gotta keep moving forward. Cause uh, if I stop, I couldn't quit. You know, that was the the biggest thing was to keep going. So I had to tell myself, man, just keep going, keep moving forward, one one step at a time, that's, that's one foot in front of the other, one mile. You know, just break it down. So that was a you know relate that to running. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. So I, as I said before, if you're new to this show, we always start off with the pa- past round where we we share our origin story of a guest, where they're from, where they're interested, and how they got into what they're doing currently. Then we have the present round, which is the second round, where we discuss what they do with their business on a day-to-day operations, kind of how they got started, and maybe give advice for aspiring entrepreneurs or expiring people in that space on how they got it done. And then the third round, one of the more final rounds is the last round, where we talk about the future of the brand, the product, because I'm a big proponent of you got to plan to the future so you know kind of where to go. And then the last round, the most exciting round, is the culture change round. We asked a series of five questions just to get the ball rolling and to pick our brains of the success, the books they read, and all that good stuff. So to start it off, uh, Matt, can you tell our audience kind of, who? But before Run DRC, before, before DC, before Artificial Intelligence, who are you, like where you come from, and, and all that good stuff? All right, uh... So I'm from Washington, D.C. Uh, I'm a D.C. native, which is, uh, and I live here now, which is kind of a, a rare thing in here uh, among Washingtonians, young Washingtonians. <laughs> uh, so I went to uh, the math Catholic high school here. Uh, from the math, I went to North Carolina A&T. Um, let's see. Then uh, I, w- I had picked up, um, I've always been into art. And I've always been into sports uh, through high school, through college. You know, I tried. I wasn't exactly playing the sport in college, but mm-hmm. you know, we try to you try to do a little stuff. We go to the gym, we play some, uh, you know, played in the Holland Bowl, played football, things like that, um, and just kind of kept kept up with that as far as like being, uh, you know, into fitness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always been in the art, so like my, my major was a uh, graphic design. Um, I'm an artist. I was an artist before getting into graphic design, so it kind of just took that approach to getting into the computer side um, of arts and uh, kind of fell in love with design and everything about it um, since college. Mm-hmm. I had a bunch of just like little, I've always been like, had an entrepreneurial type of spirit ever since. I mean, elementary school, middle school, you know, I used to paint shirts and uh, <laughs> I used to paint shirts and sell them like cartoon characters on shirts. Um, so that was like a, a little side hustle that mm-hmm. I had. I've always been into like, having some kind of little business, whether it was like making like, you know, bead bracelets or anything. Um, that was like, I've always had that, that hustle kind of spirit mm-hmm. with like an artist background. So I guess that's like a few things like art, fitness, um, design. Those are definitely like, you know, things that kind of really describe, you know, my passions right now. Did you? Did your parents come from? Were they entrepreneurs or whatnot? Like, where did you develop this confidence, or did you always have this confidence to be a leader and to 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 start things on your own? Like, or was that just was that natural to you, or did it develop over time? Um, I, I was. I would definitely say my parents had a, a huge part in that. Um, my mom was. Uh, she had a full time has a full time job, and then she had had her side business. Um, you know that she did outside of work. So I saw that, you know, growing up from, I mean, when I was real young, I was, she had her workshop in the basement where she, you know, she made dolls. She had her, uh, it was like a doll kind of business um, mm-hmm. and black, black arts um, was really what she was into. So I had seen like her go to different, you know, um, festivals and she would be a vendor and I would help her out, you know, as far as like the taste of DC or different like um these like big shows that people can go and be vendors at so mm-hmm. i see that when i was super young so that I, I definitely think and she was using this like creative side you know making stuff from hand by hand and um you know building relationships and always seeing how she had this work ethic outside of her professional job so she was like working at work and like taking care of business there mm-hmm. she came home 
you know, she was always, you know, down in the workshop, her and her business partner. And they were, um, you know, making these products because they had a, a show coming up that they had to get ready to sell stuff for. So I, I saw I saw that, you know, for years. And even to this day, she's still she's not in it as much, um, but she'll do little things here and there where she's like making, you know, some kind of crafts to sell uh, for some people. Um, so I get a lot of that from her. Um, and my dad, he's um, in the construction in- industry. Mm-hmm. And with that, you know, he had his, you know, full-time job in construction working for uh, a construction company. But then on the side, he had a side job. So when I was young, I used to go out and uh, he would, you know, come on, come on with me, make some money real quick. And, you know, we'll go and paint, paint some rooms in the house or he'll do like help reno- renovate someone's house. And, you know, I'll be there, you know, learning different things. He'll have me cleaning up you know, stuff after, you know, or go getting stuff out of the car. or And so I was able to, to really, you know, hold my own and do, like, he'll leave me in the room. He's like, all right, I need you to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And I'll take care of it. So, like, both of them really, <laughs> both of my parents had a, a huge effect on me as far as these, like, side, you know, side hustles and, you know, these side businesses that they had. I get a lot of it from them. Got you, got you, got you. <clears throat> and with that, let's let's go ahead and fast forward to the first business right out of college. You and a couple of friends, a couple of brothers, I know great people I know started artificial intelligence. And I know the interview is not really about that, but I think that's a pivotal part on your story and what's led to a lot of success of Run DRC. So can you explain your first business out there, what artificial intelligence was and um, that whole journey from um, inception of it, getting it done, and then after uh, after a couple of years in that transition? Yeah, man, that was a uh... Ooh, that's a lot. Uh... Yeah, I know, I know, but you got time, man. You know my podcast be long. <laughs> Oh, that's real. Um, okay, yes. Yeah. So with AOY, um, that started with uh, myself, Donald Boone, um, Derek Beasley, and uh, Donald's older brother, Dorian Boone. And we were all graduates of the A&T. So it kind of came like Donald, we call him Boone. Um, Boone had approached me like right when I was about to graduate college. And he was like, hey, man, like, you know, I really want to – he was already um, – he had graduated the year before. Mm-hmm. He was actually the person that brought me in the Alpha. You know, he's the one that, that you know, he, he he's the guy that brought me in. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't don't get my show off the air, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you know, he had already, you know, saw a lot in me from that. And I respected him, you know, a lot um, just from like the positions that he held as like, you know, president of of the frat of the of the chapter. So always looked up to him and everybody always looked up to him. So I was like, he approached me like, hey, man, you know, when you graduate, um, think about, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to do something. I don't know exactly what, but, uh, you know, I, I definitely think you're somebody that'd be a good business partner. Mm-hmm. So this is back in like, you know, 2009. And I was like, all right, cool. That sounds, you know, sounds good or whatever. Um, and then shortly after graduating, because, I, I, you know, like you said, I had a co-op. So I had already had a job that I was working with the government, you know, I had a job waiting for me. Um, mm-hmm. But once I got, you know, finished school and got into the job, I was like, shoot, man, like, this is real. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't as, um, I guess it wasn't as creative, you know, it wasn't as a cre- as much of a creative outlet that I wanted. So, I mean, shortly after I started, I hit boom back up and I was like, hey, man, let's do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about it. And uh, we, we decided to, to make a, to start a clothing brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, I guess there were there were like a lot of like streetwear brands that were coming up. Like it was starting to become like a it was like a lot of underground streetwear brands, and then it was definitely becoming more of a thing that people were doing, mm-hmm. just because of like the internet and you know blogs were That's like right when social media really started popping off, and it really yeah. became cool to have like underground type types type stuff. Exactly, like it was around that time when like blogs were heavy. Blogging was like really heavy, but. Twitter wasn't really, Twitter was like kind of off the ground. There wasn't an Instagram yet that, you know, we weren't hip to it at that point. Um, and Facebook was like a huge thing. Like we were still heavy on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So I kind of missed that wave of like Twitter and Instagram in college. But right when I got out, like all that stuff is like popping. So, you know, and then it was like resources to, you know, to start these kinds of businesses were being like put out on different people's blogs and just doing research. Mm-hmm. So we, we saw it like, hey, you know, there's a market out there. 
Um, and there's there's nothing in D.C. because at the time, me and him were, were both living in D.C. Um, then he had eventually brought on his brother. His brother was interested in, in starting a business. And we brought on, uh, we brought bees in as well as, you know, a person that could give like a different, um, a different outlook as mm-hmm. well. And definitely somebody that, you know, of that caliber of person that was, um, that would be a great business partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, it was like, all right, cool. Like, what, what are we trying to do? And it started out like we wanted to make black, we wanted to make like this unofficial, official black Greek paraphernalia. Like, mm-hmm. instead of it, you know, you know, you have big bold letters saying like A5A, we wanted to just like throw a banana on a shirt. And it's like, if you were, if you were Alfie, like, you get it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, discreet nail you. <laughs> right, exactly. So, and we thought there was a need for that, um, or there was like there was a market for it because we didn't. That was the stuff that we would just rock. We would find, you know, shirts from like Urban Outfitters that might have like a, um, some pyramids on it or mm-hmm. uh, a pharaoh's face or something like that. And then that would be like, you know, that's the the, the kind of like cool like cool bras would wear like you know this this different Nelia that really wasn't Nelia. Um, so that was like the initial idea. And then from that, we started, um, we were making it like for every frat. Um, we were trying to like come up with different ideas. Like, well, we knew with alphas, you know, their different like monikers were, but we were trying to figure out, you know, kappas and cues and stuff. And the whole, yeah, the whole divine nine. Yep. yep like yep. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, we didn't do the whole divine nine, but we did, we did. Majority. <laughs> <Not that>. <laughs> <laughs> we did majority. Um, and it was, it was, it was really successful. Uh, and what we found at that time was that the A and T um, community was like super supportive, mm-hmm. um, like right off the bat. I mean, we had we had did some stuff, and we had a we had like a release, a launch event, and like people like A and T folks came out out the yin yang, just you know, just to come to support. It was like, hey man, this stuff is dope. Definitely see what y'all doing. Like this is great. Um, and now, like now you see it's like everybody that, that that's like coming out of A&T is like starting these businesses, mm-hmm. like some amazing things. Um, but at, at that time we were like, yo, like it wasn't too many people doing it. Yeah, there wasn't. <laughs> like now it's like every single person at A&T has a business and they're killing it. But back then, from from my perspective, I think it was few and far between. So y'all kind of, I, I wouldn't, because if I say y'all ushered in a new era, well, I'll get a whole bunch of messages and whole, y'all get a whole <laughs> bunch of side and they be like, bro, no, they weren't, bro. We were making teacher way before then. But right. I hope your audience get the drift. Yeah, this is a whole yeah. new way. But continue with the story because the audience, I'm going to catch y'all. We're going to catch y'all with a hook and how this all makes sense and how it all parlays into the success of Run to RC later. But because this is pivotal right here, this story, but continue. Yeah, so um, from there it was like, all right, well, we, you know, we we formed the business, we made the LLC, um, then we had to like, uh, you know, we started like a parent brand where we would, you know, because people we would start making shirts and then people wanted to like get us to make shirts because we knew the process. I was I was one of the designers, um, and then we knew how to you know procure shirts and get them printed, like that whole process. So we were essentially like. Um, a printing resource for people that wanted to get t-shirts mm-hmm. so we had like a parent company that we started that was like our design company and then we had um artificial intelligence under it and becoming up with the name artificial intelligence took us like a minute <laughs> to really <laughs> to really come up with um we we had like you know brainstorm like we started a business like we went through like everything like all right, we got to start our name we got to get you know the llc but the biggest thing was like, all right, we got to come up with a name that makes sense where we can um, really have something that we can push and, and have it had like, you know, these underlying meanings. And it, it meant like all this stuff to, so we could create, you know, product. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where like it was art official intelligence and the O was a power sign. Mm-hmm. So it was like art official intelligence. I mean. For us, it was like, oh, that's so crazy. It's like art and it's official, but it's like this whole like AI type of concept. You know, it was like super. <laughs> y'all was like, this is it. This is it. We <laughs> got it. This is the all oh, y'all. It's like the art is official. Um, and then we had the power sign. It was like, you know, it's powering, powering your imagination. So power your imagination was like our slogan. Mm-hmm. And that went right back into the whole artificial intelligence concept. 
as far as like you know you power your imagination and the power sign mm-hmm. and all jazz so they got that was like one of like one of those creative huh no i'm listening oh that was like one of the you know the first creative outlooks that we had because with that same you know we took that same thing to apply we were making this unofficial official greek paraphernalia mm-hmm. so it had that like you know it wasn't really official but it, in a sense it was artificial and that's where everything kind of tied in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so uh, we we were, you know, we had went to homecoming and uh, we were like selling shirts on the plot, and people were buying like all the shirts up. Like we had Q shirts, and Qs were coming over buying Q shirts. We had Sigma shirts, and they were buying those. And Kappas were getting the shirts. Um, but it was like real. This was like before, I guess you start seeing a bunch of people come on the like around the plot area selling a lot of stuff. Like people would sell T-shirts and stuff like over. Um, in like the, by the over, game, yeah, yeah by, by the bookstore in the game, yeah, yep. yeah, like people were making like so people were doing that, but we had like a legit like brand, and then we were like right in the mix of things on the plot. So a lot of people weren't doing that either. We had, you know, I think you were still in a chapter at that point, yeah, and we had like you know talked to the chapter prayers at that time, and was like, yo, we you know we want we'll throw some some bread to the chapter, but you know we doing this like can we set up on the plot, you know this whole thing they're like yeah you do your thing um and it and it and it took off so like for the next couple of years that we were doing it we were definitely going to the plot and that was like a big um a big sales push was during homecoming cuz how the support from ANT was just like crazy mm-hmm. so but i guess we started as like the black greek um and we were we were like you know this is cool but we kind of wanted to we felt like some people were being left out so yeah, there was, it was real niche. It got a little too cool. Like, okay, so if I'm not Greek, I can't. I'm not artificial exactly. intelligence. I can't. Yeah, exactly. So it was like, I mean, we'd be like, people would just walk up, like, oh, I like this shirt, but it's like, it's it has like Delta mm. stuff on. It's like, well, I mean, it's like you can get it, but a I, lot, I, a I lot of awkward conversations, <laughs> right? So that's when we were like, all right, man, I think we're gonna have to change the scope of what we're doing here. And that's when we started getting into, um, we started using that tagline a little bit more about powering your imagination. And then we were, we were trying to come up with these different, um, we changed how we looked at, we approached shirts mm-hmm. in, our, in our designs. And we were making like more like thought provoking tees, like conscious type tees mm-hmm. that had, you know, a message, you know, in the shirt that made you, that would make you think a little bit. Um, like one of our first shirts was like a, it was a, a barcode, and then under the barcode where it has the numbers, it would say like it said "Don't be a statistic." So it was like this big barcode across your chest, and it's like, oh, I get it, you know, don't be like another, you know, don't be like one of these like a number, mm-hmm. um, you know, of this the the crowd that does everything that you're so called supposed to do. So it's like don't be another statistic, and it applied to so many different things. Um, so, I mean, we were making shirts, like, I mean, pretty much like that. And from there, we started, we were having uh, releases that were themed. And we did, like, a miseducation of D.C. where we were making T-shirts that was trying to speak speak to the the creative, the other side of D.C. that wasn't just all, like, when people thought about D.C., they thought about politics. And they thought about, you know, the president and the White House and the monuments. But from being a D.C. native, it was, like, important that, we wanted to stress that there's more to DC than just yeah. you know coming here and going to the monuments and to the museums. There's this whole culture that you know is these neighborhoods that are popping up with like stores and uh, and restaurants and bars. That's like the city has a lot more life than just you know the Smithsonian. <laughs> Which is crazy because when I'm growing up, I I, I I assimilated DC to the president. I thought it was like so grand. The first time I went in DC, I was shocked because first of all, surrounding the, the White House, it's just poverty. And then when I really got like started going around DC, Southeast DC, Northwest DC, and I'm like, yo, DC is kind of dangerous, bro. <laughs> DC, DC cats move with a whole different vibe. I said, "Yo, this is not what I thought." I was like, uh, "It's crazy!" Like the like what you think of DC if you never been there, you never lived there, and then the real DC. So I, I said, "So I get, so I get where y'all going." So y'all wanted to paint the picture, paint the picture, and I know y'all started expanding. Also, what y'all offered outside of t-shirts went into to 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 a lot of different areas. So can you speak on that? And then 
can you speak on kind of the 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 shift and kind of not a, not a, not to say a downfall, but when when y'all kind of um, redirected everybody, kind of redirected the interest into other things. Okay, um, yeah. So so basically, um, yeah. After a few years, like we were definitely. Um, we were like we we had got the hang of it. We were going to like trade shows. We were we were like going uh going to festivals and and like really um you know pushing product. Like we were doing like we were really becoming like a, a legit brand and we were getting um we were getting press. We were getting a lot of like media media outlets were like reaching out to us and we were even in like a few store. Well, we were in one store uh for sure mm-hmm. and then, like working on trying to get into other stores um. So with that, it was like, you know, there was more, you know, we, we noticed that you can't just just do T-shirts. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we had saw like, you know, trend, like a lot of different trends were starting to pick up. And that's when like men's fashion was becoming more of a thing mm-hmm. um, where I guess like guys weren't wearing like super baggy pants no more. Like clothes were starting to get fitted a lot more and uh you know, accessories were becoming like a big thing. So we had got into doing, um, we were doing like snapbacks. We were doing uh, raglans, like the three quarter. Like we were doing like baseball tees. Yeah, y'all was y'all was really one of the first in that market from our from our niche. Yeah, I mean, we were we were doing like a lot of stuff that um, you know folks weren't really thinking about doing. Um, we were just trying to find the next thing. You know, with anything in that realm is like you have to like keep pushing yourself to like make different things to so that you can stay within you know that like you're pushing the boundaries a little bit more um we were like making uh we were making beanies uh like the the knit beanies with the the palms on the top mm-hmm. um and those are like you know we used to think those were whack you know back <laughs> in school but you know that whole trend came right back around and like they were the thing for a few years um and then snapbacks got crazy heavy so we were making snapbacks um, we were getting into making a uh, crew neck sweatshirts, and you uh, were doing all this in house. Yeah, yeah. I remember going to your crib, and you had a whole studio in house slaving. Side <laughs> note: I been, I was like, I never saw anybody else but you in there. But that's a whole other story. But slaving, screen printing, and whatnot, because people don't realize that process is not, especially if you're doing it yourself, is not simple. It's, I mean, it, it to make like um, product to where it's like you're putting like the inside tag labels. We wanted to offer a product where it wasn't like something you could just like you know do yourself where it, it seemed cheap. Mm-hmm. So we we were trying to take things to like you know to the next level to like really put together a quality product. So we ended up to save on on costs. I'm like, man, let's just we had got our own screen printer. <laughs> we had figured out we me and uh and Donald had learned how to do uh how to how to do screen printing at like a a local um art this art studio um they they taught they it was like open and they taught a bunch of different classes Mm -hmm. so we went there and learned the whole process just so we could cut costs and and offer our products still for an affordable price um but still have that same quality that you would see with um bigger brands like in stores Mm -hmm. like we were but it was like we were all putting in work um to get all that stuff done like we we would have like days where you know we would we was like all right we gotta get the we got to get these shirts done and um we'd be printing the inside labels and the tags we might print some other locations to, to cut down on costs from getting like our printer to do it because we could just do it ourselves and then we could also do like sample pieces to just try it out and see what people thought of you know we would wear it around like oh that joint was dope was like, all right cool let's make these yeah. <laughs> so, so then we were we were definitely like testing the market um out with like a lot of how we were really trying to engage in doing like these custom um, you know, these different things that you couldn't just like go to like cafe, you know, cafe press or something to make. Yeah. And then, but the crazy thing about it is though, so y'all expand the business, y'all start off at homecoming, just selling Greek paraphernalia. And then people was like, oh man, let's, I, I want to be involved. So y'all expanded and then y'all expanded to the snapbacks, to sweaters, to, to beanies and whatnot. And then and the ball was rolling, it looked like y'all were about to take off, but then things kind of it, it stopped so can you kind of walk us through real quick and then we can kind of get in and run drc what what from from the inside what changed um so i guess like there's there's a few things um like and we're all still like you know yeah, both know. Friends is, is you know but as far as like how 
we wanted to, you know, how the business was going. I, I kind of, I was like all in as far as, you know, I want, I wanted this to like take over my job. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I, I got to get out of the government. But, um, you know, just I wanted to, I wanted this to be the thing that, that I was going to do. And when you have, you know, my, that was my mindset, but that might not have been every, everybody else's mindset. Like we all had, you know, our own lives and, and how we were trying to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had this trend of like, we would be popping and then we would plateau out. We would be popping and then we'd just like level out. And I was like, hey, I was like, yo, we really got to, if we want to, you know, take this thing to the next level, like it's going to take a lot more, um, a lot more time and, and uh, to, to really, you know, we have to like feed on that momentum when we get it. You know, mm-hmm. we would go and we would travel somewhere to a show and, and we would make some contacts with some people try to, you know, sell, sell on the product, trying to get it moving. Um, but then we would kind of just like, you know, life stuff would come up where, you know, somebody might get, you know, busy at work or, you know, uh, uh, some, of, some of the guys, they were just like starting families. So um, I guess it was like people, we, we all had these different times where we were like doing like heavy in it. And then like some of us like fall back onto something else or we had mm-hmm. our needed more time, you know, for another area in our life. Um, and then at that same time, um, I, I, cause I guess like 2013 was around the time where DRC had started mm-hmm. and I didn't, I was like when, you know, when, when the fellas had kind of, we, we did like an event they were like, yo, let's make this a thing. I'm like, man, I'm already doing AOIs kind of. And that's like a lot of work. I'm already trying to get this thing going. I don't want to like, you know, split my time. Um, but it, it just basically it ended up being one of those things like where because we, we were like super organized, like business wise. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys that were that, you know, my business partners, like we, they were on point. So everything was so just like structured. Like we had our a weekly meeting, you know, we had updates and we had, the, you know, the email threads going. But it was just like you know, stuff, you know, the time, the distance between like the next, you know, release kind of was like falling off. And then just like frustration for, you know, things not happening the way that, you know, I might have wanted to happen or somebody else might have wanted things to happen. It kind of just like started to fall off a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, it it became more so an, an afterthought. And like, you know what, like, we said we would give it, you know, such amount of time, like, what do we want to do? Like, how are you guys feeling about it? And I think we all, all kind of just agreed and we came to a point where it was like, I mean, you know, we had a great run. You know, it, it was, you know, it was a learning experience. And, um, you know, it, I think we uh, we did a great job, but let's just, you know, we, it kind of just went to the wayside. And that's when DRC sparked. Yeah, man. And that's and then that started taking time. Man, that's there's a lot of things you can take out of that story. And I think the biggest thing that I took out of it and then... Um, is that y'all had y'all had the ability to to let it go, and it's not it's not because I mean I I have one hundred ten percent confidence if y'all would have got back to the drawing board and say no we're gonna give it another chance and really went all in it could have exploded and pop but at the end of the day it's like well y'all had an amazing run y'all did three four years and y'all had multiple I mean y'all have so much material that that y'all put out so much good energy so much just positive things that started from just the idea and the concept so it wasn't like when y'all said okay we're gonna go on to our other things that that's dead or or that was a failure it was more so like it was it was amazing y'all learned a lot so if you can take away three things real quick that you learned from that whole experience what would the big the, the, the three takeaways um, you got from it because I know there's a lot of people in here that may be in a business right now that uh, from the outside looking in everything's going well but they know maybe some things are not aligned and they just need some insight so if you could just speak to three three of the biggest things you learned from that experience I guess the 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 one of the biggest things would be making sure that whoever you if you decide to start a business with someone um Making sure that you all kind of have the same, you know, you all align in, in, in what you're trying to do. Like mm-hmm. some people have horror stories for how like they have started, you know, companies with friends and then they ended up like going separate ways and like they never speak again. Or <laughs> like for us, it would definitely that that wasn't the case at all. It was just like, you know, things came up and we just, you know, we 
couldn't really bring it back to, you know, we, as far as where we wanted to go with it. Mm-hmm. I think we all had a different outlook as far as how we would get there. Um, I, th- I think we did align, you know, sometimes, but, you know, for the amount of, you know, work that I wanted to put into it, I wanted to put all my time into it, mm-hmm. you know, and compared to some of the other guys, it was like they couldn't, they couldn't devote as much time as I did because I had, you know, I didn't have a wife and kids, you mm-hmm. know, I didn't. I wasn't in, um, you know, I had a more flexible job that I could go and, and do certain things. And I was actually in the city that the things were happening in because yeah. two of the guys, they weren't even, you know, one was in Atlanta and one was in North Carolina. So for them, it's like, you know, they're participating, but it's it could get a little frustrating for them because they're not, you know, in the same city where things are going. Mm-hmm. So it's like one would definitely be, you know, make sure you know, when you start a business with, with someone that you guys um, are aligning throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you, you know, it gets to a point where you're not feel like you feel like you may be doing more or someone else may be doing a little bit more, you know, it you, that was already the expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, so secondly, I would say patience. Mm-hmm. Um, patience is a, a huge thing that, you know, letting things form. Um, versus like rushing rushing certain parts to happen um i i learned that a lot with uh because running a clothing brand is like you got the different seasons so you're on this calendar where mm-hmm. it's like you're not going to be wearing if you're in the east coast you're not going to wear a tank top you know <laughs> winter, but uh-huh. it's like you know scheduling is is, is kind of difficult um having a clothing brand and again it's like being in a rush you know being you know you could be so excited to get something going that you really don't let the other things really fall in line to where they need to fall into before you start, you know, you move to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So I would say patience is definitely uh, a huge thing as well. You got the foundation with the start of the your entrepreneurship endeavors with artificial intelligence and whatnot. But now for the second round, let's transition into present day run DRC, which is a, a, a crazy movement that just only started two and a half years ago in, in, in D.C., so can you break us down? Where did this idea come from? I mean, I understand you're into fitness and you're into running, but what was the trigger to say, okay, first we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a run group and then adding that lifestyle component, which I think is the differentiator from that what makes y'all different than everybody else. Like I mean black people we I mean, not to say we don't run, because I, I mean, people like looking at majority of people that listen to this podcast, they run. Because if you listen to podcasts, you probably run. But, <laughs> but where was this idea come from? What was the inception of Run DRC? Okay, so um, back in 2013, um, it was another group of friends. Uh, and you love certain group like starting these businesses with four people. I'm, I'm like, that's a lot of personality. It's a lot it, of stuff. So. <laughs> It's, it's, it's crazy. Like it just, it just happened. It just kind of happened that way. Uh, so DRC was started by myself, uh, Taylor Blake, Carlin Myrick and Chaz Dawson. Again, two, uh, close friends, you know, still close with everybody today. Um, and like we, you know, we have a, a bigger, you know, group of friends, but this four was like really into, you know, fitness, like two were trainers at the time. Um, you know, Taylor was in the running. Um, but basically we had, had saw this, uh, well, it was like me and, and I guess the other guys, we had saw like this buildup in this running, this running scene happening, you know, in different places mm-hmm. all like across the States and, and internationally, um, through like, you know, Nike was doing like some really cool stuff. And then we heard about some groups that, you know, Chaz, uh, and, and Carlin knew up in New York. Um, so we had saw what they were doing. I was like, man, that's kind of cool. And I think uh, the year before, me and Taylor had got, we had did a, a Tough Mudder, which is one of those like obstacle course uh, races. It was like a 10 mile obstacle, like 21 obstacle course run. It was some crazy stuff. Um, but we had did that. And that was like when I first, you know, I had got into running more than just doing Oh, I'm gonna just run, you know, one or two miles. So, you know, before my workout, uh, this was like I'm actually training for a like a legit race. This was a ten mile race, so you're not just gonna. Well, some people might, but you're not just gonna wake up one day. So I'm gonna run ten miles and you know do these obstacles, and it's gonna be great. Like, mm-hmm. nah, you got to train for it. Um, so that kind of like really got me really into doing 
running a little bit more. Uh, and I started noticing, I started being a little more into like the scene, the running scene. And that's when we were finding these things. And then in 2013, they had the, the Nike women's half here in DC. Mm-hmm. Um, so all four of us had, we were like, yo, like I want to just like volunteer uh, for, for this race. Cause you know, we were all in, you know, we loved Nike, you know, we were like, yo, this is a, a perfect opportunity to kind of mix and mingle with some of these Nike folks. And at that point in time, I, I was really trying to transition my career into getting into like a, you know, a sports brand. So for me, it was like, this, it all makes sense. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna meet some people, I'm running and, you know, it's all this cool stuff happening. Um, so we did that. And then we actually met up with some of the people that uh, the crews that came down from New York, we had met up with a, a few folks and they had like came over to the crib and we had like a little mini cookout and we were talking about what they were doing. Like, yo, that's so dope like i think we want to do something here in dc um and not too much long after that it the opportunity came where i was like yo i, I want to do something different for my birthday uh you know we were all like we had kind of been out of school for a few years now so we, like, we were definitely into like the bar and club scene we were going out and doing all that stuff so going to you know having a birthday usually consisted of like going to a club getting a table mm-hmm. or some crap like that um and, and i was like yo you know what i want to i want to do something different i was like how about we do a run for my birthday like you do like a midnight run and you know everybody was like yeah let's do it mm-hmm. like that, that's dope like we'll help we'll plan it like we can do a midnight 5k for my birthday that was like the thought and um we had a, a friend that had recently opened up a bar on 8th street mm-hmm. and 8th street was like this area this neighborhood that was really starting to get a lot more life and becoming like a place to go with like different bars and like a whole nother scene um, at that time, and now it's like you know huge. Like now, all of Eighth Street is is popping. Um, so we had hit him up like, yo, like we we're thinking about doing um uh, a midnight five k for my birthday. Would you be down with like us letting us like have it out of your out of your uh, out of your bar? And he was like, I mean, I've never heard that concept, but you know, hey, how many people y'all think y'all gonna have? We was like, I don't know, something like twenty, thirty people. Um, and he was like, cool, well, all right, cool, let's do it. And he had gave us, like, he let us get, like, uh, the, the second floor of his mm-hmm. spot. And um, we had started, like, we had made some t- T-shirts. We set up, like, an Eventbrite. And this is when we were finally on Instagram. So Instagram, we were, like, in it at that point in 2013. We had, like, we had our followers. I had, like, a network here of people that, you know, I was doing stuff, you know, through AOI. So mm-hmm. I had, you know, this network from, from that and meeting a lot of people because we were having events and stuff all over the city. So mm-hmm. I still had those contacts. And, you know, uh, Carlin and Taylor, they they all had theirs as well. So we just started sending stuff out through, through, like, you know, text message. And we were sending a link. I was like, we're doing this midnight run. So it went from, like, us thinking we're going to have 25 people to 125 people. Goodness. Ended up RSVPing for the run and mm-hmm. like yeah we didn't know it was gonna be like that so we had got you know some of our some of our other friends and, and frat brothers and to come out to help us like do the check-in stuff because we had seen these numbers coming in so we were telling like the the owner of the bar we were telling like yo avery like um it's, it's getting a little big so he, <laughs> he was like well that's what's up well we just going we're going to rock with it he had gave us like a hundred dollars he gave us a hundred dollar sponsorship so we got like waters and stuff for <laughs> for the race uh-huh. uh, well not the race for the run um so that night, man, it was literally like we planned like a, a 5K around the neighborhood. We had people help like, you know, help like uh, pace the event. So to make sure everything was safe. But it was like, damn, like after we had the event, it was successful. Like everybody was happy. And I mean, of course, we had a few drinks after the run. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't really about that. It was about, you know, the camaraderie of running and just doing something different, um, which really took off. So that was like the initial idea where it was like, you know what? I think we might have something here. Man, that's um, great. So it all started with just, it was an idea. Y'all saw other groups that were doing it across the country said, man, there's nothing like that in D.C. And then you you reached out to some of your connects from behind, back in the day with artificial intelligence. And you just threw out a number 2025. So you didn't you didn't come out with this. I thought it was going to be a grand vision. We're going to start this ultimate run club. We're going to be doing. We blah, blah, blah. It just started with just. <laughs> we just go do this one midnight run, a midnight run. And we're going to have 20 people. And then you just start hitting the jack and then boom, 125. So take us. OK, 
after that night, 125 people showed up. Y'all ran. Everything's good. What was the next steps? Like, what? How, how did y'all keep that momentum? Because now y'all y'all realize y'all got something. So we we ended up. So uh, I think it was Taylor. He was he was here at the time. He was like, "Yo, like, let's make it a group." I'm like, "Man, I'm not trying to start another thing. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying to figure out this AOI thing. You know, I'm still thinking like like that." I'm putting, I'm still putting energy into it to try to make something happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they ended up talking me into it, and uh, I was like, "All right, cool." Because I knew if if I ended up getting into it, then it was going, it was like I was going to put a lot of myself into it, and I was just kind of scared of uh, like, going to that again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, like, we did uh, a few other. We were like doing this thing, like Yo, District Running Collective. We do unique five Ks. Um, you know, throughout the city, you know, really pulling together fitness and like these different spots to like create a different aspect of I'm just having fun. Like we had a pool party run, mm-hmm. um, teamed up with a, a one of our friends that has a promotional group, and he had a, a connect with uh, Capital Skyline. Was like they were had this popular pool party, so we we're like, "Yo, we're going to do this run. We're going to call it um, No Lifeguard on Duty," <laughs> and. It was like the the thing was we called our we, we were saying that we were runners on duty, so we had these lifeguard shirts. So instead of it saying um, lifeguard on duty, it said runner with the the big cross mm. on duty. So it was like a play on words. And if y'all have a chance to look them up online, we're gonna have the social media uh, information on that. Man, they have the most amazing branded shirt for every event. I'm talking about like this is out the box type deal. But yeah, continue, continue, continue. Um, yeah, appreciate that by the way. Uh, so yeah, um, we were doing like we had did that, then um, we were we weren't doing like a weekly run at that at that point. Uh, I think then we had we had did a few other things, but we had went to A and T and we we did um a run for homecoming. We were like, yo, let's just take it to to A and T and we're gonna do it there. And we had a a, a Jiho homecoming run that Saturday morning. Before everybody went out, like to do whatever they were going, like go to the plots and stuff like that at school. So it was still following that formula. Like I was still using that A and T network um, that I was using with AOI. I was I was still using like my design stuff that I and everything I learned from AOI, you know, business wise, and you know, making being able to make shirts and using the screen printer and, and designing all this stuff that I had learned with AOI. Um, I started applying all that stuff to DRC. So that was like I definitely leveraged so much of the stuff that I learned from, you know, working with artificial to, you know, taking that right into DRC. So it never really stopped. Mm -hmm. But this was like more of something that, you know, I was in more control of doing. Um, And I just want I was like, I'm going to just take my time and let it build. So we were, you know, that event was like super dope. We had uh, we had, I think, a little bit over 100 people that came out to that run. Um, Which is crazy. Side note, because everybody knows that if you if you're in North Carolina A&T, majority if you homecoming, the greatest homecoming on earth. This is thousands of people come in one area, Greensboro. Millions of dollars come in. Whatever. That Friday night party is usually the most lit, and you have people coming <laughs> at eight eight. No, I, I think eight to ten. What was it? what time did y'all started at? I think it was like eight a.m. Eight a.m. You had people come at eight a.m. to run a five k like that. That to this day, I will never understand how they pulled it off. But now it's a thing. Now people do it. They they party until three. And this is not regular partying, people. This is like, <laughs> this is partying like you like you know when you leave, when you your freshman year of college those parties where you didn't know nobody. They were so good. We have grown people with grown money doing that party on Friday night and then wake up and do a five k, which is crazy. So yeah. So after that. So after that, you had that popping. So, mm-hmm. oh, so um, we we did uh, we did that, and then um, we had we we were we had we had did a few runs, and it was it was real cool. But we were like, we were like, yo, this is this is dope. But I don't think we're. I started looking at it like we're not really impacting um, the city like I, I really wanted to. It was more so like we were having events and people were coming to these events, but people weren't a part of DRC. It was like we were community. Right. It was we were the guys. We were district running collective and people would come to our events. Mm. And I wasn't really 
I wasn't really feeling that because, you know, the whole thing about, you know, the, the running aspect was that made it really dope was that we were all running together. Um, and this whole everything was like moving like really fast and it was super organic. And it was like I really didn't like I was saying about being patient. It was like I was like, yo, we just going to let this thing mold into something and then we'll, we'll see what happens when we go there. Because at, at that point, I didn't see I didn't see that it was going to become what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think any of us did at that point point and we just knew that it was something special so from there we were like was like yo we got to do a weekly we got to have a weekly run that's the only way people can really start feeling like they're a part of drc mm-hmm. versus like just you know going to a drc event mm-hmm. um so in february early february of 2014 we started the weekly run and from there I mean, it exploded. Like, it's, it, it's no man. Like, so, all right. What was the first? What was the? How many people came to the first run? All right. So the first run. I mean, we were we started in the dead win, like in dead of winter. Like it was <laughs> this in 2014. It was it was a bad winter. That was the it coldest was like, winter. It was, <laughs> it was um, it was real. Like, but that was the whole purpose. It was like I was like, yo, let's start it in the dead of winter, and it, it would definitely, it would show like, because anybody can start something, you know, when it's warm outside. Mm-hmm. But I was like, but we can really get some credit if we started like in the cold and we start getting people out and people will see it. It's like we can build up into the into the summer, mm-hmm. um, into the warm weather. So we started when it was freezing cold. Because if you if you feel like you're a, a real runner, if you think you're a legit runner, you're you're all all season runner. It don't matter if it's yeah. cold out. Mm-hmm. You run in any weather condition. Um, so that was like our mindset starting out and we had about, we had like 10, 15 people show up to the first run. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of like, it, we, we had, uh, reached out to a, one of the, the restaurants in Columbia Heights. It was the coop. And at that point they had, they were doing like, they were kind of rebranding or they had a change in management. So when, when I went to them, they were like, cool. Like we were already, you know, starting some new some new stuff here. So, you know, we'll, we'll love to have y'all. Y'all can have the back bar area and, you know, y'all guys, you guys can meet there on Wednesdays. So I was like, bet. Um, they were like, we're pretty slow on Wednesdays. So yeah, if y'all can bring some people in, cool. And it, I, it went from, it was freezing cold and then we were still, it was still building. Like we were getting different people. People were hearing about it. Um, we're still coming up. It was going from like 10 to 15. Then we were getting like 20, then like 25. And if it was like really cold, then we'd go back down to 10. Um, but it was, it was, it was starting to take off a little bit. And it probably when I, I think it was like March or April, the weather finally hit like over 50 degrees. Mm-hmm. And then it was like 60 people came out. And we were like, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. So and for us, it was like, you know. This is still fairly new. We only a couple months in. It's like we got all these people coming out, you know, running. So we were, um, we started, you know, we, we tried to organize it as best as, as we could. And, uh, you know, we had different people helping out. So it was like a really kind of like an organized chaos type of thing because um, we, we didn't we didn't really know what we were doing, but we had we knew we were doing something. Yeah. Um, so from that, it's like we we were still thinking about doing the other events um, to, you know, these unique 5Ks. And we were partnering with with different people. Like we had partnered with uh, uh, Broccoli City and we had did like a 5K before the Broccoli City Festival. Um, we had did Midnight on Mars again. Um, and then we did like a we traveled to like Ocean City and we did like a beach run. Mm-hmm. And we had I had rented like a, a Tahoe. And some other people had rented some cars and we took like a big group up to Ocean City and we ran on the boardwalk. And then after that, we just was chilling on the beach and came back. Um, and then we went back to A&T again uh, later that year. And that experience was a little, it was a way bigger than the, the year before. Um, but throughout, you know, that whole spring and summer the numbers of DRC and just like the word, the growth of it was like super organic and, and people were just like coming out. People were just loving every aspect of it because it was like, it was positive. It was cool. Like, and you know, 
I know you're a runner, so you kind of know yeah. like the the joys that that come from running when you see yourself accomplish you know a mileage that you never thought you could do, or you run a little bit faster, you run a little bit further, um, and you feel you feel you feel great about yourself. So, yeah. like in in 2014, it was you know we were looking at it as um, making DRC like a community. Mm-hmm. So that was like our goal for 2014. It was like, all right, let's make it not about DRC having events. Let's make it that people are a part of this community mm-hmm. and we're getting people into running. Um, Where are y'all at today with Run RDC? Like, what does it look like presently? All right. So, so now um, there was, there was like different phases of how we were going about, well, how, how I had in my mind how to grow and what I wanted to focus on for the year. Mm-hmm. So that was 2014. 2015 was more so um, I wanted to get people into, you know, into running, like doing races and signing up to do a race. Like people were coming out to, they were coming out to uh, to our Wednesday run, but they weren't like signing up for races. So mm-hmm. we were traveling to New York and we were going to Philly and we were, we were bringing like a few people every 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 uh, every race we get like a little more people to come to do a race. But people were just like, "Well, we running, ain't that good enough?" It's like, "Nah, y'all gotta really get, <laughs> yeah, I gotta really get into it." Um, and that's when we started, you know, traveling a little bit more uh, and opening people's eyes up to, you know, what can come from a race and the joys of like finishing, you know, a half marathon or and then. People got so into it, then they started running marathons. I was like, hey, hey, I, <laughs> I ain't even run no marathon. <laughs> I need to chill out. But uh, it, it came down to it was like, dang, now I had to run a marathon, and I did it. <laughs> it was it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, but because of the crew, I couldn't be that. I couldn't be like the leader of the crew. Yeah, you can't. That I'm bringing in that's now they running longer than I had. Uh huh. I had to do uh had to do that marathon. Um now for 2016, it's about really engaging with the city and getting, you know, more involved with like the um the mayor's office and the bigger organizations that that you know doing collaborations because we have a, a strong following. So it's like we really wanna, you know, use what we have to really offer things to um that that i know that's in the city and offer that to our runners and explore different options and and trying to make um drc like a you know a premier you know when you think of dc you think you think of dc running you think of district running collective so uh, that's like the goal of of, of 2016 it's like keeping doing everything that we've we've been doing Mm -hmm. uh, more organized um really getting people you know, into the, you know, into the running scene more, you know, get, making sure that the, the group stays strong and gets bigger, um, but then doing it the right way and making sure that we don't lose, you know, our values that, you know, that we're trying to hold on to. Yeah. Um, so that's 2016. Yeah, man. So to end, to end that, before we go to the culture change round, what has been the most challenging thing working with Run DRC? Um... The one thing that pops up immediately is uh, monetizing certain aspects of DRC. Mm-hmm. It's probably the hardest because, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, why would you want to pay, you know, to do a race? Or why would you want to pay to come out and, you know, do one of our events or, um, you know, or just pay to, to run, period. Mm-hmm. So coming up with uh, creative ways to you know, have different events and, you know, cause there, to, to do certain things that we want to do, like you got to have some kind of, some kind of, <laughs> <laughs> people just aren't giving us like free stuff all the time. It's like, we have to make sure things are, are mutually beneficial mm-hmm. you know, for whoever we work with. Um, but it, it's definitely, uh, you know, that monetization of, of different things is, is probably like the hardest thing, um, you know, from, from that standpoint. So our last round, we asked a series of five questions, rapid fire, rapid answer, and just to kind of pick your brain on a couple of things. You ready? Let's do it. I bet. <clears throat> what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Oh, wow. Someone uh, once told me to uh, don't try to just write off any opportunity that, that might come up. Um, uh, it was uh, Jeff Staple. I had, you know, 
met him and had a meeting with him mm-hmm. and uh he he had told me you know he's he's came up with uh he's had a lot of just crazy you know partnerships that people wouldn't really you know take you know with like uh you know a lot of different brands and he was like he found a way to make different opportunities work well for him so it's like taking advantage of um you know opportunities that you might not think will work in your favor mm-hmm. second question what is one of your personal habits that you can attribute to your success? Um, let's see. I would say list making is is a is a huge thing for me. Um, list making, like, yeah, yeah. So I have like, um, I have notebooks and posted notes like everywhere. Um, like at, at my job, I, I make sure I walk around with with some kind of you know notebook. I like writing things down. I don't really like taking notes and stuff like that in my phone, but I like writing things down, like writing ideas and concepts down on paper versus like really going into like a computer and putting them down there. I feel like I work a little bit better when, you know, taking, making lists and just like crossing stuff off and checking things off um, is like something I do. Like I do it every day. Mm, that's interesting. I like that. What is your favorite book and why? Uh, Miracle Morning is probably one one of the the most uh one of the best books i've read and it's it's one of it's it was it's written by uh how elrod what what is it about um so it's 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 about uh taking advantage of of your morning and he has like steps uh you know from when you wake up to get the most out of being productive and how you start your morning can really affect the rest of your day so the book really goes about, you know, these different tactics that he says by doing these things, you know, waking up early to do these things will help you uh, become more successful. Mm, and he has a lot of different quotes in there from his experience and things that he's he's done. And he really goes into a lot of detail for, you know, why you should, you know, why you should get up early and how to start your day and not hit that st- not hit the snooze button, um, but really just getting up out of bed and uh, and you know going through these different steps. Mm. What what inspires you the most and keeps you motivated? You know what I want to get out of life, like my future, <laughs> for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, like really, it, that that pushes me because I, I see you know where I want to you know where I want to be or where I want to get to, um, and I really want to affect people by doing certain things. And uh, that really pushes me to, to, you know, to have these, you know, uh, side businesses that I've had. And, um, and with DRC, especially is like really making a difference in people's lives, like inspires, like it, there's, I can't even put the words how much I get from, you know, seeing people accomplish these goals. And like, I'm part of the reason, you know, me and the things that, you know, I've, I've created helps people like, you know, become a better person themselves. And that's powerful, man. That's really is. Um, the last question is round. If you were the president of the United States, what would what would be the first thing you would do? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like mad random, but it always don't be below. Uh reparations, I'm not saying nah. Um <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Uh you know what? I would I would like really look into uh you know the alternate sources of energy. Like the alternative sources of uh, of uh, energy would be like something that I would like really pay attention to, because um, you know uh, climate change is like super is real, and I don't think we're taking it as, as serious enough as we should. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be like something I would really direct a lot of energy into. Oh, man. Sounds political. <laughs> that is, I would I would I would look into alternate sources of energy. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like it's it's real, man. Like it was here. It was seventy degrees on Christmas. Like, come on now. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We laughing, but that's some deep stuff. Like it's right now. Yeah, you. It was it was it was near seventy last weekend. It's crazy. And then the week after that, and, and on Monday it was snowing. So that's exactly. neither here. 
that's neither here nor there, man. Shout out to Al Gore. Um, <laughs> Just saying. Hey. <laughs> our, our last question. I call myself the culture changer because just like yourself, of course, running is cool. Having me be fit is cool. But I love how what 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 made y'all really pop and take it to the next level is developing that community aspect and realize the significance not only what y'all doing in DC area, but what the significance of what y'all do for the culture. So. If you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African American culture, what would it be and why? I would honestly, I'm gonna I'm I'm bring it back to running, man. Like I think uh, living a healthy lifestyle mm. and, uh, is is super important, um, and like taking care taking care of ourselves and, and really trying to like drill that into um, you know our youth would be thanks. Yeah, now now I'm thinking of stuff what I could have did when I was president. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, definitely. I would say really taking up, making that a priority, uh, from a young age and, you know, what we eat, you know, and, and, uh, and working out and like the importance of, uh, of like being, you know, keeping our health a priority. Yeah, that's, that's, that's real. Cause I mean, I think gym class does a little disservice a little bit because they teach things on such a high level, but it really doesn't play like the food you eat. That that like man, I was talking about when I was in um in, in high school, I would eat four Julia Baker cheeseburgers and two fries before a basketball game. And I thought <laughs> every game, like every game before and I thought I was go okay. And I was wondering why like I was good, but I never I was never optimal optimal fitness wise in anything I did. And all our teams we eat fast food before games and we just didn't know. So right. I definitely think, especially in our community, if we kind of really dug a little deeper into that. That would be huge, man. So that's a deep answer, man. And and honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say thank you for for this show, man. Just sharing your story because this was a little different than majority of our shows. But I think just p- playing those parallels of okay, painting a picture of your first first business, your first journey, and things you learned, and how that segued into Run DRC is so pivotal because we have so many people that are tuned in right now that. Are working on companies and things that honestly in ten years they might not be working on. So right. they had to kind of think about think about okay, what am I getting out of this? And also the fact, and I think one of the most important things is that you left it. Like I mean, that y'all both had a decision and y'all changed path because in business in life you're gonna have to redirect. Just like there's you know there's bad relationships that that you're in that if you want to take it to the next level you have to redirect and you have to have that clarity of mind and have that conversation and have that confidence that once you redirect you can take it to the next level and I think you exhibit that 110 percent of what you've been able to accomplish thus far with Run DRC so um, like I said man thank you so much for giving you a time on the show because you didn't have to give it to us Hey man I definitely appreciate uh you know everything thank you for having me. You know, keep up what you're doing. I'm like super proud of you. You know, anything I could do, you know, to help, you know, sharing my story is one thing. But uh, yeah, like, you know, thank you. Before you go, man, where can we, where, if I'm in DC or just in general, where can we find you out on social media? Like, how do we even get in the run of DRC? Can you break down that process real quick before you go? All right. So we, uh, we have all of the social outlets. So you can find us. Instagram is our main source that we put out information. That's at District Running Collective. Uh, we're on Facebook at uh, District Running Collective on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're at District Running. And uh, you can go to our website, um, and that's www.districtrunningcollective.com. And there you can find you know information about you know what we're about, and you can also subscribe to our newsletter that we send out you know our events and what we got planned and what we're doing mm. so that you can find us there. And all that information will be in the show notes. So, and that wraps up another episode of the Minority Trailblazer Podcast Season 2. Whoa, we already in it, man. I'm excited. That was a long episode, but it was tactical. It was precise, and I learned a lot from it. So I'd like to say once again, thank you, Matthew Green, for showing us love, for giving me all this time. And you know, Minority Trailblazer Nation. Make sure you leave a review, make sure you share with a friend, and make sure you do one thing. And I know you're like, what is that one thing, Greg Hill? That one thing is to change the freaking culture. Good night.